and welcome to the Remember the Girls podcast. I'm Emma Bliss, president of Remember the Girls and a carrier of X-linked myotubular myopathy, or MTM, a rare neuromuscular disorder. Remember the Girls is a nonprofit organization founded in 2017 with a mission to support and advocate for female carriers of X-linked genetic disorders. Our sole purpose is to provide collaboration, education, and growth to our community and spread awareness of X-linked women patients and their symptoms to the world of medicine and genetics. We do this by sharing our own personal journeys with you, along with many other brave women. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie Serba-Payne lives in Atlanta, Georgia, where she was born and raised with her husband, Greg, and their golden doodle, Buster. She has an MBA from Georgia State, and after leaving a career in HR in the corporate world, she started a tutoring business for middle and high school students. She also works part-time at a local church doing all things non-ministerial, Uh, from finance, operations, HR, and everything in between. After being incorrectly diagnosed with lymph girdle muscular dystrophy at age 13, she was recently re-diagnosed as a manifesting carrier of X-linked myotubular myopathy at the Mayo Clinic in 2019. Alongside her incredibly supportive husband, her mom and sister, she has spent the past two years doing her best to educate herself on X-linked myotubular myopathy. She's excited about the opportunity to connect with other manifesting carriers and share her journey. She is an open book, so feel free to ask her anything. Yay, Stephanie, welcome and hi. Hi, sorry for the technical difficulties. <laughs> no problem. I'm just so glad you can be here to, to share your journey with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So if you just want to start from the beginning and jump right in. Yeah, so um, I don't do the best job at making things succinct, but I'll do my best. So um, I started walking late, not super late, but like, I don't know, 16 months. Um, So that was kind of the first indicator to my parents that something, there might be some developmental delays. And then as I grew older and, you know, six, seven, eight, started playing youth sports, that's when... um, it really became more apparent that I was lagging. I wasn't running as fast. I was falling a lot. The family joke was that I could trip over a painted line, <laughs> uh, which still holds true today. <laughs> um, and we spent basically from five years old to 13 years old going to see every doctor and specialist under the sun in Atlanta, um, trying to figure out what was going on. And Um, We landed at Scottish Rite, which is now Children's Hospital um, in Atlanta with under the care of a wonderful pediatric neurologist who um, performed a muscle biopsy on me. Um, I had, and I still to this day, have uh, way more muscle weakness on my non-predominant side on my left side. So he did a muscle biopsy in kind of my left upper thigh and uh, came back that I had limb girdle muscular dystrophy with the subtype undefined. So that was kind of the report that we got. Um, And, you know, I was too young to really remember this, but my parents were like, it was never really um, like a concern 
or a need for follow-up for that subtype. It wasn't really anything that was of um, importance of, at that time. It was, I guess, like the mid to late 1990s at that time. So anyways, just was kind of told then, you know, like there's no cure. You just really need to do your best to use it, not lose it um, with regard to muscles and just to kind of, you know, keep on doing the best that you can. So <clears throat> really didn't um, have any significant um, life events from when I was diagnosed through my 20s. My 20s is when I really started to notice a decline in my health. And I had been warned when I went to college to uh, that kids a lot of times become more sedentary. They start being more unhealthy, start having too much fun in college. Um, and that's when, you know, you can kind of start the downward cycle with your health. And that was true. And then I moved to Washington DC after college uh, to pursue a career in HR and was working really long hours, not taking care of myself. Um, and that's really when I started to see um, the real big start to the decline in my health. So throughout my 20s is when it was kind of this vicious cycle of, I became more sedentary, so my muscles got weaker and I started gaining weight. And because I was gaining weight, I became more sedentary and my muscles got weaker and it was kind of this vicious cycle. Um, and I ended up gaining a ton of weight throughout my 20s um, and just really seeing a big decline in my health. Um, going upstairs became really difficult. Um, standing from a seated position became really difficult. Um, walking longer distances, well, long for us, as my sister always says, I always say long and she's like, long for you is like a block. Um, so walking, you know, three or four blocks became harder. So fast forward to, and I, I guess I'll say in my 20s, I kind of, my father passed away. I went through some stuff. So I kind of just was um, kind of weighted down with depression and everything that was going on. And I didn't really take care of my health in terms of following up with a neurologist. I kind of got very defeated and was like, you know, there's nothing that I can do. You know, it's not like they're going to tell me that there's a cure. So why do I even need to? continue to see, you know, any care team other than just my normal doctor once a year. So fast forward to 2017, um, I went to my annual physical. He did a pulmonary function test on me and I couldn't even get on the, like the scale, the graph. And so he was like, hmm, that's weird. Let's look at that again. This could be a flood. Let's look at it again next year. So 2018 rolls around and it happened again. And so at that point, he was like, okay, we need to pursue, pursue this further. You know, this is, is this your muscular dystrophy? Is it your weight? Or is there a third unknown cause that we need to, you know, find out what it is? And so because I hadn't found a neurologist in Atlanta that really knew anything about muscular dystrophy at the time, or limb girdle muscular dystrophy, he referred me to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, which has, I think it's like the top neurology department in the United States. And so 
If you've ever been to the Mayo Clinic, they're wonderful, but it takes a really long time to um, get in to see them if you don't have a life-threatening disease, which obviously mine wasn't. So it took about a year. And in the fall of 2018, I went up there. They did a genetic test and told me that it would take about six, up to six months to come back with it. And they called me a few months later and said, we think that you were misdiagnosed. Um, can you come back up here so that we can do a muscle biopsy just to confirm your new diagnosis? And so I did. And so we flew up there um, and they did a muscle biopsy this time in my left bicep. And um, very shortly after confirmed that um, I was told that I was a manifesting carrier of XOMTM. Um, so I think I'm a little bit different in that, or my story is a little bit different in that I didn't find out, you know, via having kids. Um, this was just strictly, um, you know, the advancement of, of the medical field. And, um, you know, genetic testing wasn't around 20 years ago when I got my first diagnosis. Um, so anyways, the two neurologists there sat down with my mom and I, and we spent like two hours talking to them. And they were basically like, you know, this is a super rare disorder, um, explained that it was mainly in boys and um, very severe. And I remember they, got, they turned to their computer screen in the room and they pulled up like, PubMed, which is, you know, like the medical version of Google, if you will. And they printed out for me one article. It was three pages long. And they were like, this is the only study that's been done on females with your disorder in the world. And it was like less than 50 women. I think there was like 47 women in the study in the world. And they were like, this is really all the information that's there right now. And they said, the roadmap is really unclear for what your digression looks like because pretty sure there was a woman in the study who was 61 and had just started using um, like a walking cane that year. But then on the flip side, there was like a 13 year old girl who um, was fully wheelchair bound, used a feeding tube and I think was on full-time um, ventilation. So talk about, you know, an unclear roadmap for what, you know, my, my uh, journey is going to look like. So I just remember my mom being like, I have a very tough mama bear. And she was like, you know, the unknown was not satisfying for her. And so she's like, well, what do we do from here? And they were just like, you know, there's not much that you can do. They um, introduced us to clinical trials and how to stay on top of those. And basically their recommendations were stay on top of those um, because, you know, there's a lot of advancements in gene therapy and stuff going on right now. And then to make sure that I got a pulmonologist to kind of monitor um, that side of my care, which I hadn't previously done. And then just to check my heart, my uh, father passed away from a massive heart attack. So I think it was just kind of that in combination with having MTM, they said, you should monitor your heart on an annual or, or every other year basis. And so, you know, they sent us home with that information. And so 
um, I remember those next few months were just like a whirlwind because I remember when I was flying up to the Mayo Clinic for the first time, I had typed on my iPhone notes, like a list of questions that I was going to ask the doctor. And my sister was like, Hey, um, let me see the list. And so I handed her my phone and a little while later she passed it back and she was like, I added some stuff. And so I looked at the note and at the very top, she had added um, like need to reconfirm diagnosis question mark. It's been 20 years. And I remember looking down the aisle, like across the aisle at my sister and being like, you don't think that I have muscular dystrophy. And she was like, you just never know, Stephanie. And so it was just like that thought had never even crossed my mind going to the Mayo Clinic. So um, it just kind of rocked my world that, you know, this thing that I had, you know, in my head told myself that I had for over 20 years or about, about 20 years. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, wrong story. <laughs> um, so that's really my story. I guess the last piece of my story is just that I really hid my health um, pretty much from like everyone except for my family and then like my very closest friends. But other than that, um, I was able to kind of like skate by as normal <laughs> up until like my late 20s. Um, and so I just, I don't know if it was out of like some shame, embarrassment. I don't really know what, I know that a large part of it was I never wanted to be defined by my condition. And so I never wanted to, that to be the lens through which I saw the world. Um, and so I think that's a big reason why I just didn't talk about it. Like I didn't want it to become, you know, a daily thing, which is just laughable now because it very much is a daily thing. Um, but when I got my new diagnosis, um, silly, but on the one year anniversary of getting my diagnosis, I quote, came out to the world, <laughs> um, you know, via social media, cause that's how people do it these days and just started talking about it. And um, it's been so freeing the past, that was March of 2020, it's just been so freeing. And so the fact that I'm sitting here today um, on a forum talking about it to the public um, is just like an amazing whirlwind that kind of just stops you in your tracks sometimes when I was thinking about it. But I'm just, I'm so thankful for this group. Um, I'm so thankful for the MTM community. I was able to attend the MTM conference in St. Louis in the summer of 2019, like three months after I got diagnosed. Ashley's who, who's on here, um, I got connected. She was the first girl that I was connected to. And she really was the one that convinced me to come to the conference. I'm so glad that you did, Ashley. Um, it was very overwhelming still wrestling with like trying to understand what this new diagnosis was and everything, but also it really felt great to no longer feel so isolated. And like I was bearing this burden and my family was bearing this burden, like kind of in secret, it felt very freeing to no longer be in that isolation. So um, just speaks volumes to the community that exists. So I'm thankful to be here. Yeah. Yeah. We have an amazing community. Yeah. Um, and it is funny, the path, there are the things that happen in our life that puts you on a whole different path 
It is. It's fun. It is. You never, I never thought I would be on a platform sharing about X, Y, Z. We hear it all the time. Um, so I have a few questions for you. Um, in a few simple words, Stephanie, what does being a carrier of MTM mean to you? The few words that come to mind are uh, confusion and strength. And for confusion, I just find myself constantly not in like a negative way, but just constantly having to explain, whether it be to doctors, family, friends, whoever. Um, and so I just think that there's like a general lack of understanding. Um, yeah. And for strength, I just think, you know, um, it takes really strong people to go through this, whether, you know, it's um, being the mother of a child who has a super rare disease, whether you have it yourself, um it's there's just a lot of strength and courage um that's required and you know people tell me all the time like oh you're so strong and I'm like I didn't choose to be strong you just have to be strong when you're thrown into the fire yeah yes that's yes yeah, it's there you go that's a perfect example you have a lot of sayings in here that make so much sense I love it um so what is something you wish more people knew about carriers of MTM I think for me, um, the manifesting career part is the part that really just resonates with me um, is, you know, there, I think that there's so few of us that at least have the digression to the extent that I do. Um, and so the manifesting part of just like the lack of clarity around what that looks like. And it's so different, whether it be, you know, Beth Bauer or Ashley or me, whoever it is, it just looks so different um, for each person. And yet at the same time, there's like lots of similarities. So it's just, it's a very unique yes. and individualized thing for each person. Yes. Uh, and you mentioned earlier how it progresses too is very interesting. Because um, in the boys, it doesn't necessarily, it's not, degenerative but right. with the women it seems to get worse over time it is fascinating right right um have you been involved in any research efforts for mtm carriers i have not other than when i went to the mtm conference in st louis mm -hmm. um again that trip was such a whirlwind for me because this was also new but i remember that i did like a little bit of a pulmonary study um, like I got pulled into a room <laughs> um, to do just like a very brief uh, pulmonary function test uh, to contribute to some research that was being done. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Um, what challenges do you think our future will hold as carriers and what do you hope for the future of MTM carriers? Um, I think the challenges, um, I think advocacy is a huge challenge. Um, I think the lack of knowledge is, um, that's actually probably the biggest challenge for us. Like I still haven't found a pulmonologist that even really is on board with me getting a cough assist. And so um, not to make a, a long story long, but I um, have two surgeries coming up and it's been like recommended up and down that I must have a cough assist machine bedside um, if I'm going to undergo anesthesia. And, you know, Atlanta is not a small city <laughs> and the hospital that I go to is not a small hospital. 
and they don't have cough assist machines. They certainly don't know how to operate them. So it's just kind of like um, that lack of knowledge. I just felt like even when I found out that I had to have surgery, it was like me scrambling to contact you know, Ashley, doctors at the National Institute of Health, doctors up in Boston, it was just a scramble to try and piece together everything just because so few of people have the knowledge that we need. Yeah, yep. Um, okay, so if you could go back to before you were diagnosed, before you were a carrier, before it all began, what would you tell yourself? Take care of myself better. Um, my sister and I were talking this past weekend and she was like, you know, she's like the 20 year gap from like when you were diagnosed with muscular dystrophy to when you were diagnosed with as a manifesting care of MTN. She's like 10 of those years was like probably, you know, due to um, like advancements in the medical field, but 10 of those years were just on me, not taking care of myself, not going to see, you know, neurologist. I mean, I had tried to find a neurologist, but kind of gave up. Um, so I think I would try and like stop the downward cycle and, um, of like the decline of my health and everything and try and like get, get it back on track earlier. Yeah. Okay. That makes, I mean, I feel like I could say the same thing okay. to end this conversation. I would love for you to give me your one word when you think of remember the girls and the future for women carriers of myotubular myopathy, what is the first word that comes to mind? I think advocacy is the biggest word. I um, was so blown away um, at that conference in St. Louis by the amazing parents, moms and dads alike um, and others, not just moms and dads, but people just advocating for their children, for themselves. Um, you know, when you have a super rare disease, it's a constant game of advocating for yourself. Um, and yeah, that's my biggest takeaway from day one since I was got this new diagnosis was you have to advocate for yourself. <music>